Hey there, the Small Steps Living podcast is now an audio version of Small Steps TV. You can check out Small Steps TV on YouTube, my Facebook page, and of course, the smallstepsliving.com website. But you know, some of us don't have time to watch. So here is your chance to listen to the latest episode of Small Steps TV. Enjoy. Welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordaff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Overwhelm series here on Small Steps TV, loving coming at you live on a Wednesday night, even though things do get a little bit dodgy when the children are still talking and still awake. But uh, let's just cross fingers. I'm really excited tonight. There was so much amazing feedback from episode one where I shared all about um, taking responsibility for our overwhelm, that we can really only start to change what's going on around us when we start to change us, ourselves from the inside. So I can see that some of you are here. I would love to know if you watched last week, um, what you got out of it, maybe if anything has happened differently for you this week. And uh, and then I'm going to be able to talk to you about our amazing special guest. Yes, a live interview tonight on Facebook with one of my all-time favourite people who knows so much about brains and I'm bringing her in to talk to us about the topic of clutter in the context of, of the overwhelm that so many of us are feeling because I recorded a podcast interview with her um, and uh, a little while ago and I'm just going to pop here that uh, if you want to share this with anybody um, go ahead and do that right now. So please make sure you share. I forgot to say this in the beginning, but um, if you want to share this to your page or share this with anyone who you know who's suffering from like overwhelm, too much stuff in my life, um, I can't hear myself think, we're going to be diving deep into what is actually going on in your brain, why this is like everywhere, and definitely some things you can do about it. When I interviewed Ali um, for the Small Steps podcast, uh, it was really about how uh, we talked a lot about anxiety and we talked a lot about how uh, what we're like, well, she basically changed the way I thought about clutter. I thought I was a person who was able to live in clutter. Clutter didn't matter. I liked things clean, but shit could be everywhere kind of thing. And what she shared with me completely changed my mind about that and it has really changed how we set up our house when we move to Melbourne how I live on a day-to-day basis everything so I'm like we got to bring her on to talk to you I uh, am just going to check the comments and make sure that everyone can see us um Stephanie welcome back so glad you're here yes hey guys so excited lots of hellos I love hearing that um, that you guys are here. 
and uh, make sure that if you know of anyone who needs this information, please share it. This is all coming at you totally live uh, from my toy room, uh, which is probably a little more cluttered than I'd like right now because I'm a bit behind in the uh, in the washing department and this is where it sits. Anyway, I am going to bring our special guest on now. She's something very special. If you don't follow her, you are going to want to go straight to Alison Davies, brain care specialist on Facebook and start following her because she shares the most fascinating information. It especially helps me parent. So, Ali, I am going to bring you on. Hang on. Oops. I'm going to hide that one and I'm going to show that and I'm going to do, oh, dear. Now, now what do we do? We show you. We bring you on. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> um, not much is happening. <laughs> Let's have a look here. Let's bring you on. Oh, like that. Huh. Why can't we be next to each other? That's what I'd really prefer. You know what? I've got to take this one out. You guys, this is a brand new program. It's kind of freaking me out. Ali, do you want to say hello while I'm just sorting this out? Well, I was going to say, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, you're on. You are on. Now we're next to each other. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, you can see me. Hi. <laughs> I was just blushing away after that introduction. <laughs> well, I, you know I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. And seriously, some of that stuff that you shared last year, especially when, you know, we were learning about anxiety and what can trigger it and the stuff that you shared is like blew my mind, but is also so outrageously practical for someone who has um, told herself stories for a long time about the kind of mess that she can live in and um, the amount of overwhelm that she can cope with because, you know, I just, I like deadlines and I like, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. Um, what you, you that's said really changed that. We all do have thresholds and some people's thresholds are higher than others, but we do all have a threshold. So there's only a point that we can cope with, you know, so everyone's got their point. Yeah, right. So do you want to just tell everyone like where you actually learned all this stuff, like who you actually are, if they are crazy and don't know you? Okay, it's a bit of a convoluted journey. Um, I'm a neurologic music therapist. So I um, trained many years ago. I did a Bachelor of Music and teaching and a, um, a Master of Music Therapy. And I've, I've worked for many, many years as a music therapist in allied health. So as with my therapist hat on. Um, and over the sort of decade that I was doing that, I really started to learn exactly how much music, melody, rhythm, anything to do with music really, really helps the brain to function. So I started to learn a lot about brain functioning and then I went on to train with the Academy of Neurologic Music Therapy and I really then just went, my my brain my brain just went, oh, my gosh, there is a whole world of brain care that isn't being talked about. So I kind of just flipped my whole um, <laughs> life around basically, stopped working as a music therapist and started educating people about their brain, how it functions and how we can support it to function even better. So that's my background. <laughs> and it's so fascinating. But because you are so musical and because you are so um, enjoyable to li- to watch and listen to and you understand all this intonation and how to talk, I'm just like everything you say is, like, shareable and interesting. So 
thank you for well, everything that you do. Because people do like hearing anything about music. So all I have to do is say, like, this really interesting fact about what music does and people are like, oh, my gosh. And it's nothing really to do with me. It's just because people like music. So I am kind of lucky. Um, <laughs> take some credit. You wear cool gear, so that also helps. Um, <laughs> thank you. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do, um, thanks, you guys, for um, for joining. Hate clutter in my life, want simplicity. Yep, and there's a very good reason you hate clutter. So I think what we're going to do is um, I am going to, I don't really know how to get rid of that, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start talking in the beginning about, look, when I was thinking about the topics for tonight, Music came into it. So I don't know how to get rid of your name there unless I do that. That's better. Uh, so I was like, really what we want to be talking about is what brains have to do with this overwhelm thing, which is a song kind of that Ali can sing because <laughs> I can't sing. But I was breaking that into a bit of Tina Turner um, as I was leaving her voice. <laughs> What's brain? Got to do, got to do with it. You can keep going, but or not. Oh, brave. <laughs> oh no, I should have practiced this. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> quite obviously. Let's move along. <laughs> so what have brains got to do with it? Okay, brains have um, everything to do with clutter. The reason that clutter makes us feel overwhelmed is absolutely everything to do with the the way the brain copes with it, okay? So clutter essentially is stuff or things in our environment. And so it's, it's sensory information, everything that we can see, hear, smell, taste, feel, everything in our environment is just a whole bunch of sensory information and it comes through our sensory systems to our brain for our brain to make sense of. So I'm looking around my kitchen right now and I have got stuff everywhere. Like I've got, I've got messed up paper sitting underneath me, some empty dishes from dinner just there and I've got the, the whole kitchen bench is just chock a block with stuff. So even though I'm talking with you, my entire peripheral vision is still well aware of all of this stuff everywhere and all of those things, even though I'm focusing on you and not on this stuff, it's still bringing sensory information through my eyes to my brain for my brain to have to then process and action and work out if it's important and know, sort of decide what to do with that information. So when there's clutter, when there's heaps of stuff around you, your brain just has to work on overdrive to make sense of that information. Does that make sense? It. When I heard this, because I had this thing where I was like, I can just walk past stuff and I don't see it. And you're like, no, you're seeing it. Yeah. Your, your eyes see it. Your brain is just filtering all the time. And it made me just go, all oh, right. So I'm asking my brain to work really hard when I've got a desk piled with stuff, but all I actually want to focus on is that. 
totally. And um, the, so then you go. The way I, my analogy for this, the way I like to make sense of it is I think of the brain as like an email account. Okay, so every single thing, and let's just talk about visual for the moment. Let's put all the other senses aside and just talk about what we can see. So the brain is the internet account, and then every single thing that we can see, and and not just the objects, but everything about them and the colours and the, the lights and everything, it's like an individual email. And all of those things are coming into the inbox And the brain has to, like, you know, if you open your email account and there's 20 million emails there, you you just don't cope with that. (laughs) What you want is for the emails to come in nice and gently and you can action them. You can open them, make sense of them and decide if it's important. The brain does that. It's called sensory integration. So everything that we see, the information comes to the brain and the brain has to decide whether that's important, whether to action it, whether to delete it whether to file it away for later. So it can cope with a lot. But when our environment is filled with clutter and then we go to the next person's house and theirs is filled with clutter and then we go to a school, clutter, workplace, clutter, and everywhere we go is just constant clutter, we're just filling up our inbox too quickly for the brain to be able to delete or action the emails. Yeah. And what, so, okay, so I've got a few questions and this always happens. Like we've got a plan, but then I hear you and I'm like, okay, talk about this. My forte. <laughs> yeah, let's just segue right over here for a second. Uh, so what I, wanna, what I wanted to find out was, so number one, how do we get ourselves into this in the first place? Like do our brains like is there something about it that we're drawn to like is it just that we're capped out with our lives that kind of clutter it starts to appear in all different places um and then what actually happens to our brain at that point of like can't take in anymore okay so the first point is um if you think about okay I'll try and keep this short (laughs) So I'm super passionate about this, but I'm going to keep it succinct. But I will give a little explanation. If you think about like where we've gone as human race from the beginning of time, our we haven't had too much clutter in our lifestyles. So the brain has evolved over the course of human lives since the beginning of the first people. The brain has evolved to adapt to our new needs. But, I mean, it hasn't really been until probably, I guess, 50 years ago when we got oil and and engines and batteries and flashing things and and, um, factory-produced mass global consumerism and we started really packing out our environment with things. So we've sort of had this really low cluttered or low sensory dense, uh, low sensory kind of living environments forever. And then in the last 50 years we've just packed our environments with stuff because stuff in the world, in the world, in the world, we want abundance and we want abundance and we want joy. Feel good. Um, but our brain is just starting to evolve to our new needs. So it's been a relatively short time. Our brain just hasn't been able to speed up its email connection and be able to process all that stuff. So it's basically that we've just, our lifestyle in the last couple of decades, last couple of generations have just completely flipped and our brain is not prepared for them. 
It's as simple as that, really. I mean, and this is the thing. I notice it in, in every course that I run, in every conversation I have in the school playground, um, amongst friends and family, this feeling that, like, there's just too much stuff, there's there's too much on and we're going to be delving into these sorts of things. But um, what you're saying is that it's not an individual problem, it's, like, societal. Yeah, like it is. Here, and this is yeah. the problem that we're all dealing with. It's evolutionary, really. Evolutionary, really. Um, some people do a better job at that. Let's, let's talk evolution. I am happy to go, you know, like, let's just, let's talk it all. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, um, you know, we can manage it. What The important thing is for us to be aware of it and I don't think anytime soon our brain is going to be able to evolve to the point where it can integrate and process all the information around us. I just don't think that that's possible because it takes a long time for our brains to evolve. Um, so in the meantime, we have to manage it because to answer your second question, what happens when we experience sensory overload, which is what it, what it's called when the brain can't process it all, anxiety. So all of us are actually experiencing anxiety. All of us are experiencing overload and overwhelm. Um, it doesn't really matter who you are. If you're in the Western world, we're all experiencing it and some of us are dealing with it better than others. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm. Like what are we doing to ourselves? Really? And then we start to think about it, everything, like the kids' socks, they come in a pack of five and everything comes in packs, toothbrushes comes in packs of six and everything, and it just feels like great value, like, oh, it's a bit cheaper and then I'll have them for next time. But all you do is fill up every space in your life with clutter. <laughs> it's so, like, <laughs> Right. I, I completely agree. And when I started, when after that podcast episode, I just went on this really crazy mission. I remember going upstairs because we recorded downstairs and I went upstairs into our kitchen and I just noticed that on top of all of the shelves, so all of the cupboard spaces, on top of all those there was like model aeroplanes because Nick used to work for Qantas, there was cutlery sets of boxes of them and bits and pieces vases stuff that I it wasn't I mean some of it was pretty unpleasant um <laughs> things but uh I was like I just want to get rid of seeing all of this stuff and bring back some clear spaces and not um sterile kind of vibe but just like what can I get rid of even just looking at all of my coffee cups and all of the different types of cups, and I just was like, "Yeah, God, just yeah. I just I just don't want them anymore." The op shop can have them. Can we just have a few cups, and then be done? And, and because it really did start things off. Yeah, because the next thing that happened, because the next um, uh, uh, because of the sensory overload, so. If we have, if like, we have one coffee mugs to choose from, then we have to choose from 10 mugs just to get a cup of tea. And that is we are making so many decisions in a day and every single thing we do, uh, if we've got choices, we are asking our brain not only to process the information, which has got too much of 
to begin with, but we're also asking it to make a decision and we always want our brain to make the right decision. We're never satisfied with good enough and that's something we need to retrain our brain to be okay with good enough. Like I'm a coffee cup snob. I like the coffee cup that I like because of the feel of it and the taste of it. (laughs) Um, And if I don't have that cup, I'm going to be really annoyed. But I think even I need to do it is to retrain and to start being okay with making a good enough decision because with all the clutter in our lives, we can't always be making decisions, what shoes to wear and what clothes to wear. Um, Barack Obama and Steve Jobs are two who wore or wear the same clothes every day because that's a decision that they've removed. So the really highly successful achieving people know this stuff and they are removing all decisions they're on top of it yeah Mm. oh and this is something I talk to small steppers about all the time um it's like and it was one of the things I was going to share tonight when we talk about what to do getting to the end of the day especially and, and making dinner and it's like don't ask me don't ask me to make another decision right now um and so I always say just have like five or six of your go-to dinners on the fridge, make sure at the start of the week you've always got, you can always pull together at least two of those. So in those moments where you're like, oh, my God, they really want to eat and I don't know what to do, I'm staring at the fridge and I literally I can't even see anything. I mean, I remember opening the fridge and going, oh, man, what do you do with chicken thighs? I just... I don't know, what could I actually do with them? I know about a million things to do, but there my brain was just things like, do with them. Yeah. Because <laughs> um Yeah, go. <laughs> so everything, everything you say makes me want to say something else. So because of the sheer clutter and the overwhelm, that always causes anxiety. And when I say anxiety, I don't mean anxiety disorders or like an illness or I'm talking about a physiological response. So when our brain can't cope with something or we're asking it to do too much, it um, just starts to get concerned with um, what a, how much of a good job it can do. And your brain's only purpose in life is to keep you alive. So it wants to do the best job. And if you're asking it to do stuff and it just can't do it all, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm tapping out for a bit because I don't know if I can um, handle everything right now. So it puts you into a physical state of of being on high alert of everything around you so that you can save yourself if you're in a threat or um, it makes your heart rate um, rise and your spiritual rate rise. So it's it's causing this physiological experience of anxiety. And when that happens, how's this, when we experience anxiety, the oxygen comes away from our brain and our brain is hijacked by this little bit right in the middle of the brain called the amygdala, uh, which is our our body's bodyguard, and it just comes up in high alert and it's like, oh, my gosh, you're at risk, there's a threat, and it hijacks your brain. This is for real. (laughs) When you are anxious, your, your brain basically hijacks itself so that you can't think straight can't make a decision, can't rationalise, analyse, inhibit your behaviours, comprehend any of that stuff. (laughs) That stuff becomes hijacked by your own brain because it's not coping. (laughs) It's crazy. We're struggling. Yes. That is why whenever you are experiencing any sort of 
anxiety. You literally can't do those things. They're called the executive functions. They all take place behind your forehead in your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex is hijacked by your brain when your brain is anxious. So it is almost impossible to make a good decision or think straight or comprehend or reason or analyse any of those things when you're anxious are really difficult. So this one clutter thing changes our entire, like it's just a snowball that affects our entire brain functioning and our ability to like exist in the world. It's just, it just, it just, I mean, my mind, my brain is blown right now. So whatever that is. Um, But I, I, you know, it's, it makes it feel like quite a an urgent thing that we need to take action on. Yeah. And so let's talk about three different areas of, of clutter that lead to overwhelm. And I wanted to talk about one that might not be so obvious, but I hear it from my small steppers a lot and I definitely see it with Nick and I in our household of three children, you know, between three and seven, is noise. So you, you know that feeling where you're just like, oh, my God, quiet. Like I can't, I need, and I'll just be like, I just need to go to my room. Nick will put on his headphones. Um, what is going on when we, there's that, there's just, <laughs> I just feel like I've got people talking at me and I literally can't, like there's too much noise going on for me. What's that yeah. all about? So it's a really, really common one um, and because, it goes back to exactly what we've talked about. It's sensory overload. So instead of the clutter is the visual overload, like the things that we can see, that's visual overload. The noises is auditory overload. So it's like an overload of noise. And it's a really common one because of all of the senses, that's the hardest one to control. You can control what you taste. You can control what you touch um, and to a certain extent what you can smell. But it's really impossible to control the noise. You can't control your children's noise. You can't control other people's noise. If you go out, you can't stop the noises unless you wear um, noise-cancelling headphones, which I've started doing a lot in my own life. But um, it's a really, really common one and it's just it's the same thing. It's the, the noise overload. It's all the e- so every single noise is an email coming to your brain, and it has to really quickly action it to get rid of it, or to to if it's a if it's a um, important noise, it needs to know how to action it and what to do about it, and it it leads to sensory overload, which leads to everything we just spoke about. But the the noise pollution <laughs> is something we can manage to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And okay, which is good. Um, and and I really and I think all of this stuff is from what you were saying before, the um what what you were saying is that this is something that we are going to have to get better at yeah. um, because this is the world that we live in. So we are we are gonna to have to find extra kind of strategies. Yes. I just wanted to ask you the the noise thing, and it's like too obvious a connection but I just wonder about it because I think about in terms of mind chatter but sometimes the actual noise I say to my children I can't hear myself think yeah is that just because there's just 
like I'm just I I mean that's kind of shut down mode. Well, yeah, it's because the overload, the barrage of noise your brain can't make sense of it or can't deal with it all. So it puts you into anxiety, which hijacks your executive function. So you literally can't think. It Like it's it's real, all this stuff that we feel. Like when we say, I can't think. I mean, I think we've all, we've all said it. Um, yeah, I can't hear myself. Yeah, I can't hear myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's and so funny, all of those little sayings. Yeah, it's the such a thing saying. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's a really important one and we do have to act on it because uh, anxiety levels in children are enormously high because, I mean, their brains are doing exactly the same as ours. Anxiety, um, for most of us, the anxiety we're experiencing, the daily anxiety, isn't to do with the stresses in our life. Like for children, it's not to do with the bills. It's not to do with the parents' marriage or it's not even to do with the bullies or the things that are the triggers those things can trigger it but anxiety is always to do with what your brain is coping with or not coping with and for children the biggest thing that their brain isn't coping with is the overload and the overwhelm so too much noise too much stuff too many decisions um and so yeah we totally we have to manage it Luckily, so and that's talking can be really easy. Yeah, and I like and I like that you're about solutions. So, can we just talk about the actual physical clutter for a minute? So, the the stuff, like just being surrounded by stuff. This is something that I, you know, and I've actually sort of I've put together a little um, a little training for people that I'll give you guys the link soon that you can um, go and download for that. But um, because I have found that to be, it's like it's not the answer to your overwhelm, um, because, but it's a really practical, amazing kind of start to the journey. So, you know, Tina Turner asks, what's clutter got to do with this? Yep. Got to do with it. I actually think, <laughs> I actually think it is the solution to the overwhelm, you know. I think it is the solution because, really yeah. mm. because this is the stuff that is making our brain not be able to function at its best and that is why we are experiencing anxiety, overwhelm, overload and all that stuff. So anything that we can do to support our brain to function at its best is the solution. It's not the Band-Aid. It's the solution. Because our brain is very, very efficient. It can do so much more than we would ever believe. It, it is working really hard. Um, so all we have to do is take the edge off it, you know, support it by reducing things where we can, and that is solving the problem. The brain then doesn't max out on its thresholds. It can process the sensory information and it can make the decisions and it can think rationally and... Um, all of that stuff just happens organically when our brain is coping. So, yeah, you actually are providing the solution here. So what happens when, so, I mean, the reason why I think um, it's part of the solution but it's not the total solution is also because I think we have to come to the conclusion in ourselves 
that we're people who can live without more stuff. Like it's a it's a oh, conversation yeah. that we really to get honest about with ourselves because number one, I had to realize I could be a person who wasn't cluttered. I could be someone who put things away. Um, I could be someone who um, stayed on top of things so that they didn't get on top of me, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. I think we have, and that's why I really wanted to share you because I feel like you're such an awesome catalyst for understanding this, um, which, and sometimes we do need that why because I think for so many of us, we kind of, we consume totally unconsciously like we just we buy the five packs we think we need all the new things each season or we go to Ikea and we're like oops how did that just happen um (laughs) suddenly I've got a trolley stuff and I need someone to deliver it to my house like I do I do think it requires a yeah it's just so cheap um but it's it's a change in um, in in who we decide to be and how we show up in the world. Totally, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because we are, we do have preconditioned mind frames and stories that have been really well conditioned in there. And we've also, we are the generation, we are the product of a generation who um, who it was at that point in our culture, sort of the generation before us, it was about them starting to have things because their parents didn't. They built everything from scratch. They lived in the depression. They didn't have things. So they taught their kids that you can have anything, like let, you know, and so our parents have sort of gone through this stage where they have started to have bigger houses and more things and we're the product of that and now we're starting to share their story. So it is totally about cultural um, patterns and just breaking through the stories, um, you're exactly right. And it is important to understand the science behind it because that motivates you to really change the story because unless you understand what's going on in the brain and when, when it makes sense and you're like, oh, my God, no wonder I'm not productive and I can't think straight, um, yeah. then it really motivates you to, like, really um, think about those stories and question them and ask yourself, like, what am I doing and how should my life look? Is this, am I living my best life right now? So you're right. It's important to have the science and to really work on the mind frames. Totally. And I know for me, I think the other thing, and, and it's the reason why a lot of people trip into um, researching and caring and improving the quality of the food they eat is when mm-hmm. someone that they know is has gut issues or you know has has an allergy or something our attention is kind of going there and I think more and more and more as we realize and accept that overwhelm doesn't have to be our status quo that we have to that you know we're basically just living lives on autopilot and none of us really know what we're doing and where we're going and why Um, (laughs) if we want to change that we do have to get on top of this conversation and and also a lot of us know people who do have anxiety. I, I remember taking my son to see a psychologist when he was in prep because I'm like, he's just a little bit like, is he normal? I don't know. Is this normal behaviour for a boy? I just, you know, as a parent I was just like, he seems to kind of, he just, he just like, it's like he has meltdowns but he's kind of five or six or whatever. And she said, look, I actually just think it's a little bit of anxiety 
And I'm like, what has this kid got to be anxious about? He lives a great life. And then I thought, and then I just started to be a bit more consciously aware of our rhythm and our routine. And I kept it pretty simple, but I was a person who'd be rushing to school. It would be like, quick, get in the car. And like, just that kind of thing and always going from here to there or hurry up and do this so that then we can do that was all kind of contributing to also a lot of the other stuff of just starting school and having that be quite intense and all that kind of thing. So which kind of brings me on to the next point, which is which is our packed calendars. So we've talked about what noise has to do with it. We've talked about what quiet has to do with it. Can we now talk about what what busy has to do with our brains not creeping. Okay, so um, what you just said there was really interesting Um, and here's another thing that will blow your mind a little bit. When we are always rushing, (laughs) firstly, Steve Bidulf says rushing is the enemy of love. Like, yeah, there's nothing, there's no good juju from rushing. There's nothing that you can gain emotional feeling wise from rushing right so keep that in mind um but we actually can entrain okay let me try and explain this as easily as I can if we are constantly rushing and moving we are actually um entraining our motor cortex which is where my um scarf is just across there that in the brain is the motor cortex and it's in charge of all our conscious movements and it can be manipulated by the outside environment very easily. So if we are rushing, the motor cortex speeds up and becomes hyperactive. Um, if we are listening to fast music, the motor cortex speeds up and becomes hyperactive. It's like if you are li- listening to hip-hop or rap, you would never do slow interpretive dance or waltzing. <laughs> Likewise, if you are listening to, like, flowy music, you would never jump, jump, jump up and get down. It's just the way our body, our brain tells our body to move in sync with the speed of the stuff that's going on in our environment. So if you are rush, 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 rushing, um, you are inclined to become hyperactive or speed up and then your brain is on like supercharge and then all the things that we talked about before, it can't cope so much, it takes a lot of energy to be doing so much. If we have heaps of things in our calendar, then we are constantly also experiencing decision fatigue because Mm -hmm. even if it's in our calendar and we know what we're doing, every single thing that we actually go and do requires heaps of decisions. Like we don't even, we're we're nowhere near aware of the amount of decisions our brain makes in a day. It's astronomical. So every time we are doing something, unless we are being mindful, everything else requires decisions. So a packed calendar is just adding to the load. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that it is the default for so many of us, which is the scary thing. You know, it is it really, it, I, I mean, I, I can remember saying a lot to a, a kinesiologist, actually, I said, I just want to get rid of that feeling that I'm at capacity all the time. Like there is, there's absolutely no room for error in my life. Like mm-hmm. no one can get sick. Um, 
I can't forget anything, uh, you know, it was just like maxed. And for all the changes that I've been making are actually just trying to create that nothing time. It's like that is the hero of my life because if I can, it's like schedule nothing, which is, yeah. is that an oxymoron? You totally should It's one of my strategies. <laughs> is it? Okay, so let's start talking about that. Let's talk about now, like, Honestly, I what the frig can we actually do about this? So we understand now that this is kind of a societal problem that people aren't alone if they're feeling like this, that uh, that what happens to our brains is they, you know, almost get hijacked. Um, we've talked about how noise affects it. We've talked about how clutter affects it um, and that that is really a huge part of the solution or the solution um as you sort of said and that having a packed calendar is just like throwing fuel on this freaking overwhelm fire i'm sure everyone's just listening going oh my god that's me oh oh yeah what what do i do now well firstly you're not doomed um because the best thing about this is that we do have so much power over how we manage our um, environments, but more so over how we look after our brains. We have a lot of power over how we care for our brains to support it to function at its best. And when our brain can function at its best, um, and I say that because I'm never trying to change anyone's brain or make it better or make it different I just want every, and all our brains are a little bit different. They've got their own things going on. We want everybody's individual brains to function at its best. And there is a lot of stuff that we can do to support it because then it can cope with the overload better and it can cope with stuff better. So um, one of them is to schedule nothing time. <laughs> it's really important. Um, most of us. Nothing. Everyone's writing down to add to the to-do list that's very long. It's. It's instinctively one of the things that we always do. Like if we've had a big weekend or a couple of big weekends in a row, we instinctively go, no, nah, I don't think I'll go, unless we're like 20, we'll say, no, you know, I think I'm going to stay home this weekend. Although, come on, we're, we're probably all mums and we probably don't do anything like going out. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you've had the sports carnival on the cross country, all of that, you just know that you need some downtime. Um. It can be things like having a bath, like a big long soak, reading a book, uh, listening to music. It doesn't have to be like th they; those things are all um, low on the like they're they're things that our brain loves. They're things that help our brain to work better. They are considered brain breaks. So anything that's just gentle and mindful where you don't have to be processing information and not, you're not using your brain as like a filing system or a Google or like a search engine or anything, you're just sort of turning all that off and tapping out for a bit, schedule those things into your day. Like I reckon three times a week, do something like that. I try to have a bath once a week. Um, I also wear my noise-cancelling headphones around the house um, and that just blocks out all the millions of noises. So 
I might listen to a playlist, I might listen to a podcast, so I'm still hearing stuff. But here's the thing, our brain can cope pretty well when it's just focusing on a noise, like like if you're having a conversation with a girlfriend, it's just unless there's like 15 children in the background, all you're hearing is the conversation. Your brain can cope with that. But it's when you've got like 500 noises all around you that your brain is trying to make sense of every single one of those noises. So by wearing um, headsets when you're listening to your music or noise-cancelling headphones or something like that, you're, you're just reducing so many layers of sound. Um, so that's a great strategy. And, you know, listen to them for half an hour, 10 minutes, whatever you can fit in multiple times a week. Um, even breathing, so controlled breathing is a great strategy because, as I said before, when we're anxious, the oxygenated blood sort of comes away from the brain and um, then it makes it harder for us to, to function. So if we take really controlled breaths, we are then effectively re-oxygenating, like bringing more blood bring more oxygen into the body, which then circulates and, and helps us be able to think straight and do stuff. So can I ask, can I ask, ask a question? Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that you don't watch Netflix in the bath? <laughs> well, look, on special occasions. <laughs> um, I was just thinking... About I the fact that don't. I stayed, I stayed at a hotel last weekend in Sydney. I was there for an event, and I went down to the spa, and it was totally by myself. And I watched the next season of um, the next episode of This Is Us, and uh, totally mm. afterwards, I was like, I didn't kind of switch off because I was kind of in uh, the program. I don't. I gave well, my brain a break. Here's the thing: you might have watched it quite mindfully. <laughs> Let, instead of like, we don't have to we don't have to like stop we don't have to be really strict about this the, the more important thing is to regularly do these strategies so that they are part of our day-to-day -day lifestyle it's more important than we have a bit mm. of a break there, a bit of a break there and a bit of a um no noise there and a bit of a um I don't know, just closing our eyes for five minutes there um, and a bit of breathing when we wake up and a bit of this and a bit of that. If we do little bits of these things as part of our daily lifestyles, that uh, cares for our brain like vitamins. So I think of all these brain care strategies as vitamins. Like when you take your vitamin or your probiotic, you don't necessarily notice anything different at all. But we know that when we take them consecutively, it builds up in our system and it helps us function at our best. And when we do get sick, we're less likely to get really sick. And doing um, such simple strategies like listening to music, um, breathing, having sensory low time, like just where it's dark or it's quiet, um, anything like that. There's heaps more. I mean, I could I could go on for hours. There are so many strategies. Um, yeah, if we're just sort of putting them in our daily life the way you would take vitamins each day, it's helping your brain, supporting your brain day to day, and that's what's going to make the difference. Does that make I sense? Just love this. 
Yeah, and I just think you're a total legend. Um, so can I just talk a little bit about how, because I know that there's a lot of people here and, you know, we were talking about clutter and I know that they're probably interested in also their physical space too. And some people even wrote and said, I'm moving house, you know, there's so much stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I thought um, we could each maybe share a few ways in which we try to manage our physical space. And because uh, for me, this has been a challenge and continues to be a challenge as I learn new ways of operating in my home, basically. Um, so I, uh, I really took on board what Ali said about like our peripheral vision and all the stuff that's being taken in. And I started to remove things from sight, just from sight in the beginning, that so that it wasn't, I wasn't actually seeing it and would try to file it away. But I ended up going on huge decluttering missions. I thought about what you said about, um, you know, the decision-making fatigue and massively simplified my wardrobe. And this is something we actually did in the, in the membership a few months ago was, you know, creating almost like a uniform. So I just, I would take a few photos of outfits and just have them in my phone that I knew I could just put those together and I didn't have to think about it. But even better than that, I was putting my clothes out the night before. It's just like changed my life doing that. It really did. And uh, just because it's one thing I don't have to think about in the morning because my clothes are there and the kids' clothes are there. And I don't, you know, stick with it all the time. It's not something that happens every day. But um, I'm just finding that incorporating these new strategies and kind of letting go, as you said before, of the old stories that I had about my almost, I used to think my clutter was required for me to be creative and for home to feel cosy. That was my story. Yeah. And I had to start changing that for myself and I just noticed now I just walked through the house and as we moved and we had to get rid of a lot of stuff um we can have our whole house tidy in like we can do a 20 minute session and have most of everything put away just because there's just less stuff like even just two lots of towel sets you know it's actually all you really need and a few spares if you have guests but that's it like what yeah. we just don't need more and more and more stuff. Yeah, the, those kinds of things are like gold. Like what you said about putting the clothes out um, the night before, just like one strategy, and I call things like that systems as well. Like one system can ha, has just has such an impact because you do that every single day, then that one task every single day becomes easier for your brain. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if you've just frozen. Yeah, that oh, it's giving. Ooh, Sorry, can you say- I think you froze for a second. Yeah. yeah, just say that that last bit So again. if you think of like the effect of putting the clothes out each morning over like a month or two months, that's huge. To me, that's kind of like getting a cleaner to come into your house for half an hour each day. Like if it happened once a month, it wouldn't be enormous. But if a cleaner came into your house for half an hour every single day, you'd just be like, new woman, new life, new house. Um, And so when we do something like a system, like putting the clothes out each morning or whatever it might be, and we do it each day, it doesn't matter if you forget, but if you just do it 
whenever you can, as often as you can, it just makes such an enormous difference. Yeah. And it was interesting. I was speaking to Carly today, our mate Carly, who um, about the fact I was interviewing you on this, and she was sharing because she suffers quite badly with anxiety and having her child um, really tripped her into it a fair bit. And uh, what she started doing was putting, so, you know, for swimming lessons, for um, daycare, for, you know, um, grandma's house or whatever would there would there was lists on the back of doors um, for all the things that she needed to take or have packed so she didn't need to rely on her brain to come up with all of the stuff it was just like there and just this checklist that she would go through and I love that in terms of brain clutter because I do think we're holding so much up here that it's just it's so so hard to recall I mean my memory is bullshit uh I I worry about it a little bit because I and I and I know it's because um you know even Nick was saying yesterday I've just got so there's just so much to do I've just got so much to do and I said have you written it down and he's like oh it's in my head I'm like but we but we know it's just so much easier if it's just out of our head is there kind of is that like a, a do I sound like a idiot or is that like because the memories are there but unless you can access them like unless your brain can access them when you want them they might as well not be there so you you do need to make things as easy as possible for yourself so that your brain can function at its best and then it's going to start accessing the information when you want it and recalling the memories the long-term memories they're different they're stored in the limbic system, which is like they're stored with emotions and music. So if you listen to really beautiful melodic music that's you know makes you feel stuff, um, that's likely to trigger long-term memories. But your day-to-day, everyday lists, that's just kind of all stored in this front bit that's processing and busy and changing and um, anything you can do to support your brain is going to help all those things be accessed. So you're totally not sounding crazy and my so my biggest thing that I've been working on is reducing the number of decisions so I've had to really let go of a lot of clothes as well and it's funny because it should be like who cares but it was actually quite a big thing for me um and just getting rid of um (laughs) underwear shoes socks bags um scarves and like I don't need more than two and and just things that I was like oh but I need that in winter no I only really need one warm one warm jumper so I've been getting I've been shedding a lot and the more I shed the more valuable or important the thing becomes because I've gotten rid of all the like you know the old stuff and now I'm really testing myself because um I've got more than enough of not just clothes but all the things Um, And so now I'm starting to really remove things that are valuable or worthy or might come in really handy, Um, but I'm only holding on to them or I only have them because there's a story that we need all the things. Um, But that just means I have to make more decisions in my day. And so that's been my major focus, like removing the number of things that I've, like if I had 10 pair of socks, now I have three. Or, you know, if I had 
however many skirts, now I have two or whatever it might be. So I just don't have to decide. I think what happened for me was I moved into thinking that it's, I just, it's not valuable for me to have more. It's just, it's not an impediment to my living a good life. And I actually now find it outrageously liberating. And Nick has always been a one thing in, one thing out um, yeah. type of guy. Like if something's coming in, well, what's going? Because I've already got enough. So there must be something that um, yeah. has had its day. Um, which is a little bit tough right now um, because we're having our first Melbourne winter and so there are things that we just need <laughs> that we've never needed before. Like I just <laughs> had a pair of Ugg boots arrive. I'm like, we need Ugg boots. Nothing else can go because we don't have any other slippers. I just I need to have yeah. some slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been so outrageously good. Um, mm. You guys... You have to go and follow Ali on Facebook and on Instagram also. Awesome. Are you still Oh My Musical Goodness on Insta um, but on Facebook? No, yeah, well, I know I'm I'm Alison Davies on Insta as well, but I have a second account on Instagram which is Oh My Musical Goodness because I also sell musical instruments and that's my holistic music store. Um, but you'll find Alison Davies on Facebook and Instagram, and that's where I talk about this kind of stuff. And there's, and I mean, if you are interested and inspired by this, do go to the Alison Davies Brain Care Specialist Facebook page because I'm constantly like putting little videos of the strategies. So I've only mentioned a few here because there's just so many. Um, and in the e course I'm running at the moment, everybody has a clipboard with an actual menu of strategies, and there's like pages of strategies so that you can just flip through it like a menu and go, oh, I think I'll have a bit of breathing and a bit of stretching and a bit of um, my headphones today. And it just gives us an easy reference point for, you know, making sure that this is an ongoing thing. So there's lots of strategies. And, you know, you really do help me so much understanding myself and understanding um, anxiety from someone who doesn't like obviously now I realise we've all got kind of a low-level anxiety going on, yeah. but um, but I don't understand that true um, anxiety. Uh, it really mm-hmm. helps me to see from other people's perspective what might be going on for them and it, you really help me understand my children. So yeah. like the stuff that you share on that, it's just like it blows my mind. So you guys, Ali is her like this stuff I'm sure you realize um is so valuable and there's not that many people talking about it especially in the super accessible way that Ali does so that's why I was so pleased she said yes to come on and share this stuff with us tonight as we're moving through the overwhelm series to kind of ground us in really heavily in the why why this is important work for us why we're you know, a generation of women who are just kind of moving through life, um, feeling kind of capped out a lot of the time. We're dealing with anxiety ourselves, anxious partners, anxious children. Um, we've just got so much stuff in our house and we just don't know what to do about it. Now we know it's important to do it. Um, you know, in the Small Steps membership, every single month we have a simplifying life tool. Um, but 
I have also put together um, five really, really awesome ways that I have started to reduce the, the clutter in my life that has had really profound effects. And Ali was really the one who got me started on this path. So um, so thrilled you could be here. I'll pop the link to that. You can get it. It's a free sort of training thing. Um, I'll pop the link in the comments so you can go ahead and use that. And please go and like Ali on Facebook. And if you get a chance to jump into her programs, we've actually got one of her UFO drums. I got the kids one for Christmas and um, love it. It's like, because I'm not particularly musical, but you can't actually go wrong with it. It's actually quite extraordinary. I should have had it here, Ali. I didn't even think of it. So um, go ahead and uh, thank Ali for coming along and make sure if you've really enjoyed this, um, then uh, then share it. Um, share Ali's genius uh, because I think this is something that it made me almost feel just better that I'm not struggling with this by myself, that mm. I can change my story around clutter. And the ultimate thing that this has helped me do is to create space for the stuff I actually want to be doing, for the things I actually want to have in my home. It gives me spare time so I can actually be the person that I want to be in the world. Uh, and that's really important. And I think that there's so many of us who are just drowning day in, day out. We don't even, we can't even entertain that thought for ourselves. So any final words from you, Ali? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in there and say, can you imagine the collective effect on this as well? Like it has such an um, important um, change in our own lives when we start to shed the clutter and we start to look after our brain and we make these changes and we start to feel that we didn't realise, we don't realise that we're anxious because it's our normal state. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, anxiety disorders. I'm talking about the, the physical anxiety that we all experience but it's our normal so when we start making changes we experience it individually but can you imagine how beautiful it will be when it's a collective thing like everybody who's watched this does it and then they tell their friends and then all of a sudden everyone starts shedding the shit <laughs> and collectively we become less anxious together it's just going to change the world I think <laughs> I hope um don't have don't have high expectations for just this casual little Facebook live, but I'm pretty sure it's going to change the world. So if you could just go right ahead and share it, because in my opinion, the more people that know about Ali, the more chance for this ripple effect to start happening. And you can go and talk to people. You can show up in your own life as someone who wants to do something about this. You know, be that change agent for your unit. For yourself, because as we've heard tonight, there's so many benefits for it. We would all work better. We would all sleep better. Um, our relationships would be better. Um, our kids would be calmer. So, yeah, okay, I'm totally going with you on the whole change the world thing. Um, yeah. yeah, right with you. <laughs> um, and for everyone who has shared comments have absolutely loved reading them and I hope you've enjoyed seeing some of them. Um, Oh, Kylie's just said dream team and everyone's been saying that they've really enjoyed it. So, Ali, thank you for sharing your genius with us tonight. I so appreciate you and, um, yeah, we should do this more often. Like we should just oh, my gosh, we could talk for hours. Can you imagine it? Every hours. time we talk, we're matching tops. <laughs> it's like... <What> <laughs> 
like we got rid of all our clothes and just kept stripes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, this is what you wear if you want to be a kind of minimalist. It's a, it's the new look and um, jump on board. I think probably probably Big W or something was like, no, nah, I don't know. But, yeah, this is, well, this is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. I really, I mean, I, I love talking about this stuff. So anytime, it was really a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. So grateful for you and so grateful that everyone came and arrived and um, and shared. Very much appreciated. And I'll see you next week. Bye. See you guys. Bye. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living, inspiring your best life one small step at a time. Hey there, are you subscribed to this podcast? Make sure you subscribe and you will be reminded every time a new episode drops. See you soon.